that the Lord is leaving the prayers of his people in great measure unanswered. Then the psalmist goes on, and in verse 5, he describes the vexation of Israel. Thou feedest them with the bread of tears, and givest them tears to drink in great measure. Cruel fear, you may say. But that is the fear that the Lord's people have in a day such as this. Tears, bread of tears to eat, and tears to drink. And then, in the next verse, verse 6, the psalmist goes on to describe the joy of the enemies of Israel, because that Zion is in such a low state. Thou makest us a strife unto our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. And that is characteristic of our day also. Then the psalmist turns right away from all that, turns unto the Lord himself and cries, Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Now, I would like you to notice, first of all, how he addresses the Lord. O God of hosts. And if you look at the psalm, you will see that in verse 12, verse 7, verse 14, and verse 19, you will have the Lord addressed in this way, O God of hosts. And that is a very singular and Jehoshaphat, that the Jews were always very jealous of the religious privileges. They had no missionary mind. They didn't want other nations to enter in to the possession of what they enjoyed. No, they wanted that at all. But here, in spite of that, in Israel, apparently, this was a common term for which to address the Most High, O God of hosts, God of the hosts of heaven, and God of the hosts on earth. The Jews very often addressed him as God of, the, of Abraham, and the God of Israel, and they could rightly do so. That, see this term, and yet the Jews as though they addressed him as the God of hosts, seemed to be blind to the fact that he was the God of hosts, and more than the God of Israel. But we are going to consider the prayer of the psalmist. And we notice that there are two petitions in it. The first is, turn us again. O God of hosts. And secondly, cause thy face to shine. We shall consider these two petitions and then 
In the third place, we shall see the confidence of the psalmist in the effect of these petitions being answered. And we shall be saved. He's quite sure of it. Let these petitions be answered, and we shall be saved. First of all, then, let us look at this first petition. Turn us again. Now, what is implied in this? First of all, there is implied here that Israel were traveling in the wrong direction. Otherwise, why ask the Lord to turn them? The very fact that he would come with a petition such as this indicates that Israel in that day were traveling in the wrong direction. Therefore they were traveling contrary to their former way. No longer were they traveling as they traveled through the wilderness under the direction of Moses. No longer were they traveling as they traveled under the guidance and leadership of Joshua when they swept like a flood into the promised land. No, they had turned aside after the gods of the heathen. And no longer did they go as their father had done in the days that were past. They were traveling contrary to their former way. And they were traveling contrary also to the word of God. They did not have the full word of God such as we have. They had, at any rate, the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch. That even that was sufficient to indicate unto them in which direction they ought to travel. And they were traveling quite manifestly in a contrary direction. Now, here we have our own case as a people. We are traveling without guilt contrary to our former way. Oftentimes, we hear the term today used as a term of reproach. Victorian. Oh, they say with a sneer, you are a Victorian. Now, if ever there was a period in the history of Britain when the blessing of the Lord was manifestly laid upon Britain, it was in the reign of good Queen Victoria. Britain prospered upon the earth. No army could stand against her army. No fleet could dispute possession of the seas with her. And the fear of the Lord was in the land. And yet today, this term Victoria, which ought to be a complimentary term, is used as a term of reproach. That shows that the way that we are traveling as a people is a way that is contrary to our former way. And it is quite evident that the way that we are taken is contrary to the word of God. 
days the church moved in accordance with the dictates of God's holy truth. The legislature of the land respected what the word of God had to declare as law. Up and down the land in the homes of the people, the Bible was there and the Bible was universally respected. The Bible was treated as the word of God, but that is no longer a case. The Bible as the word of, law, of the Lord has lost authority with this generation. We speak generally, of course. It no longer commands the obedience of the people. It no longer has the regard of the legislators. It no longer is honored as it ought to be honored in many of our churches. As a people, we are traveling contrary to the Word of God. But many think it's the right way. They are prepared to stand and argue the point. And to make out that we never had it as good as we have it now. But help in that way be the right way, which is contrary to the word of God. That cannot be. It is implied then that Israel were moving in a wrong direction. And not only that, but that Israel had gone astray. Israel didn't know where they were going. They may have had their own hopes and their own expectations, but they had no ground for those hopes and expectations. They simply didn't know where they were wandering to. They had broken with their past, broken altogether. This change, no doubt, being gradually, such changes always do, and mention the time as it were. And people thought, well, that's only an inch. We don't need to trouble much about that. But then there came another inch. And people were inclined just to let matters go because it was an advance which moved by inches. That as time passed, the taste increased. And now, there was much uneasiness in Israel, because the Lord's people in Israel could see very clearly that things were far, far wrong. And now, in the Sabbath day, the breach was quite obvious. It could no longer be hidden. And that was why he found himself constrained thus to call upon the name of the Lord that he would turn man. And now aren't we just like that ourselves? We're going in the wrong way as a people and we don't know where we're going. Our legislators and our churchmen would tell us that we are traveling to some utopia that they look for. But 
that base is focused upon nothing firmer than the wishes of their own hearts. They don't know where they're going. And sometimes when they are hard pressed, they admit it to you. We are going down. We are gone astray. Now, this change has come very gradually, little by little, from time to time, that the faith has been increasing. And some of us can remember that the old men of the last generation used to be very uneasy about matters. I remember when some of the 1900 ministers used to get together, they often spoke about what was coming. And what they very often mentioned was what Dr. Chandler said when he spoke about the horrors of the Middle Passage. That is to say, that time that was to come before the glory of the latter days would dawn. That's what he called the horrors of the Middle Passage. The old men in those days were very uneasy because of the trend of events. But now, things have gone so that as that it is practically obvious to us that unless the Lord intervenes, we are finished as a people. Now let us notice some of the features of this apostasy. The first thing we would mention is duties are neglected. There was a day in Scotland when men and women were willing to lay down their lives in order to further the good cause and to see to it that the Reformation testimony was passed on unto those who were to come. Today, and in England especially, the land is full of churches that have been abandoned. Some have been transformed into garages and halls and so on. Others are simply derelict. And many are on the point of closing because they haven't a congregation sufficient to keep them going any longer. That is common in England today. And it is becoming common in certain parts of Scotland. And it is becoming increasingly difficult to get people to bear the burdens of Zion, to realize that if the gospel is to be preserved, then people must deny themselves. It's becoming increasingly difficult in some parts of the country to get collectors to go around from door to door to collect what is necessary for the upkeep of the gospel. That is the day in which we live. 
duties are neglected. Then there is ignorance among the young. The rising generation seem to be well posted in the latest news on the sports field. They can give you the name of film stars and so on. But can they, can they give you the name of those blessed servants of the Lord who in this very locality in their day were bright and shining lights? Right round in this district, in Dingwall, over in the Black Eyes, beyond Dingwall, there was there at the turn, a glen so full of the Lord's people, as that it was called the Holy Valley. Now, what do the rising generation here know about these things? For the most part, nothing at all. And that is the case to both the land. The former glory is in very large measure for God. The glory of a gospel triumphant. Of Christ beholding of the travel of his soul under the preaching of the word. That glory that was so manifest in our land is well nigh forgotten. And the glory that men seek today is a glory that the Lord hath never commanded and a glory that will perish. And all foundations are being uprooted. There are those who seem to have a craze for changing things. For no reason whatsoever but that these things have endured for as they think long enough. They want something new. They have a destructive spirit. You can see that destructive spirit, if you read the press, in the accounts given there of the, the delinquency of teenagers. But you have the very same spirit, the very same destructive spirit on a higher level. And among those who seem to be that on their side is structure and knowledge. They want to change things. But look at, look at time itself. They were not content with the way in which the sun ran off the hours. They had to change the time twice a year. And why? What useful purpose did they eat at? You may say, I like the new thing. Perhaps you do, but is that, a, is that a, a reason? A sensible reason for causing that social upheaval, for it so it is in many cases, 
let us not know the second petition. Cause thy face to shine. Cause thy face to shine. What does he mean by that? He means by that the favor of the Lord. The expression in the Psalms is quite a common one. Lift upon us the light of thy countenance. And that is a prayer that the Lord would give his favor. That was what the, the, that was what the psalmist desired. That the favor of the Lord might be extended to them. And the fact that he prayed for that indicated that that favor had been withdrawn. He knew that and knew that only too well. Now, the favor of the Lord is compared to the outshining of life. And let us see then what would happen if the Lord were to answer this prayer. Let us see what would happen in our own case in the case of our own land, if the Lord were to answer this prayer and lift upon us the light of his countenance. First of all, giving us such light, spiritual light, would reveal to us the nature of the apostasy and the extent of the apostasy. So it would become clear. So it would be the danger, a danger that we need to talk to be. How far we have gone for working the Lord God of us. And this too, the lifting of the light of his countenance upon us, who destroy the ignorance. God, from this light would reveal the extent and the nature of the apostasy. Then men and women would find themselves constrained to speak themselves to the word of God to see what the word of God had to say. And thereby their ignorance, their present spiritual ignorance would be dispelled. And were this prayer to be answered, this warm word gift that we have in our day to be saved just like that. There's nothing else to say. There's nothing on earth can save that great throne except the throwing of the Holy Spirit. Things are going faster and faster. Things are happening that we never dreamt that we would live to see. And the peace is increasing. And unless the Lord intervenes, oh, what is to become of us? That if the Lord were thus to look upon us the light of his countenance, then this robe of grace would be stayed with away. And this would promote the spirit of repentance. Everywhere would be heard the voice of weeping. Those 
burdened with a contrite heart because of the discovery of her sins, seeking the way to Zion and pleading with the Lord that he would forgive all their trespasses, that also evangelical repentance would be heard on every side, and that indeed would be a blessed voice, and that thereby the true messengers of the gospel would be encouraged, and they would lift up their voices like a trumpet and sound with all their strength the great and glad message of salvation that all men might hear. And then, when the Lord would thus lift upon us the light of his countenance, the one set off would fructify the soil, the hard frozen soil, frozen under the frost of formalism, the soil would be fructified, warmed and fructified, and then we would hear of the new birth here and the new birth there and the growth of grace. And many would be chosen of the Lord to build with the old, old commission, to preach the gospel in all its purity throughout the earth. And the old foundations would be relayed. I don't want to be away with these things at present. They want in the state church to do away with the last of our standards and to have those standards replaced with something else. But when the Lord lifts the light of his countenance upon us, it's the old foundations that will go down again. Look you, when the Lord sent the captives back to their own land, they were bidden to build Jerusalem and the temple. They were not bidden to build a new, a new city and a new temple, but Jerusalem, to build up the ruins of Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple, to lay the old foundations, not a new city. And this is what will happen in our land when this prayer is answered and when the Lord at length lifts the light of his countenance upon us, down will go the old foundations again. Nothing new. The old gospel and the old foundations and the old good works repeated in strength. That is what you will have in that day. And lastly, let us look at the confidence expressed here by the psalmist. We shall be saved. No question about it. Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Save what from? For one thing from making shipwreck, 
And when people said they are mocking at us, they are mocking at the Lord's people. And those who abide by the law of the Lord and the word of the Lord, we should be thankful they are not doing worse than that, but certainly they are mocking at us. But were the Lord to lift upon us the light of his countenance, what shame would be there. Their mockery would fade away from off their lips. And they would hide their speeches in shame. Well now, this is our hope. And this is our duty. This is our hope and our only hope. That the Lord would turn us. And that he would lift upon us the light of his countenance. That so we may be saved. And if this be our hope, then it certainly is our duty to be so pleading with the Lord that he would answer this prayer. And may I appeal especially to the young people. But humanly speaking, the future of our church is with our young people. When I think of the future, I cannot but tremble, and I cannot but feel the utmost sympathy with our young people. Unless the Lord answers this prayer, they will have hard things to face, far harder than we have had to face. Every influence that is in the hand of the God of this world is used in the direction of seeking to draw young people away from that for which we stand. That is the old Reformation testimony, in other words, the teaching, the pure teaching of the Word of God. Let me say that my prayer is that our young people might never suffer themselves to be drawn away from the God of their fathers and from the testimony that has been preserved through the ages in Scotland until now. People have conventions from time to time. What I would love to see would be a convention for the deepening of the attachment of our young people to the testimony of our church, to the testimony of our Reformation. That's our above everything else.
if you have not considered this subject. It is the teaching of the Lord, whether people be pleased or not, does not matter one straw. What matters is, is this the word of truth or is it not? Let us pray.